Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 5 this morning. Last week we concluded speaking on standing in faith. This morning we're going to get into some stuff. Romans chapter 5. Now just a quick review. We know these different principles. Number one, so then faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Our source of faith is the word of God. The more you hear the word taught, the more you study the word, the more you meditate upon the word, the more faith will come to you. Primary way in which faith is released is through confession. Always remember the Bible says life and death are in the power of the tongue. You're either speaking life or death, <clears throat> excuse me, over every situation of your life. Amen? Which means over every situation that you want life in, you need to speak the word of God and speak the life of God to that situation. If there's any situation that you need death in, then you just speak it. You say, what do you mean? Well, there are certain things you just need to die. Amen? You need an attitude to die. You need a mindset to die. You just speak to it in Jesus' name. Then we studied for two weeks acting on faith. How you've got to, once you've believed in your heart, confessed with your mouth, then it's time to act upon the word of God. Pastor, what do I do? That's between you and God. That's something very personal. It is something that God does not give over to anybody else. He does not give it to the prophet. He does not give it to the pastor, the teacher, the apostle, or, or, the, or the pastor. He wants to speak to you personally and tell you what you need to do when it comes to an act of faith. Now, many times there is instruction in the word of God. If you see in the Word of God what you're supposed to do, then just do it. Amen. Uh, we talk about finances. Well, the Bible says to give. That's pretty easy. And I've just routinely given over the years, every paycheck I've ever gotten, every offering we've ever received, everything that we've ever gotten, we've given 10% off of the top, and then we've offered over and above that. Now, that's just 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 without God ever saying anything to us. Then when God has spoken to us specifically, we've acted on what God has spoken to us specifically. And I want you to know, that's only happened probably about six or seven times in the last 30 years where God has spoken specifically to me and said, now you give this. So it's a rare thing. You say, why is it a rare thing? Well, because you, you should have a routine of giving. Amen. And then there are some times when I've initiated some things. You say, what do you mean? Well, I've made a decision. To go over and above that which I routinely do. And when you do that, God will bless you for that also. So, you know, with finances, you do that. With your health, you've got to hear from the Lord. You say, am I supposed to have the surgery? Am I supposed to continue to take the medication? That's why you need to hear from God and act on what He tells you to do. Amen? Now, then we begin two weeks to study the stand of faith. And having done all, stand. We talked about the armor of God, how putting on the armor of God, you do that through the confession. Thank you, Father, that I'm saved. That guards my mind. Thank you that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. That guards my heart. Thank you, Father, that my feet are shed with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I'm ready to go anywhere, tell anybody about Jesus, anybody about the goodness of God. Amen? And so we understand that we hear, faith comes, we speak, we act, we stand. But you say, well, pastor, but... but, but but I'm, I'm doing all of that and nothing's happening. And it will. That's what will happen. You'll, keep, you'll, you'll be speaking the word, acting on the word, standing. Now, this last 
thing I'm going to teach you, I never heard anybody teach on. I actually begin to get revelation on this particular subject, driving to a meeting down in Corpus Christi at a camp meeting I was going to, listening to a guy preach on tribulation on the radio. It, it made me so mad, I just wanted to reach through the radio and grab him by the throat. Because his teaching on tribulation out of Romans chapter 5 was that tribulation is a tool of God. And God gives you tribulation to teach you. And he gives you tribulation so that you will understand that first of all, he's in control of everything. Amen? How many believe God's in control of everything? Well, you're absolutely wrong. God, actually, God's in control of nothing. God's only in control of what you give him control over. If he was in control of everything, then he sure has made a mess out of it. Amen? See, that's a lot of people. That's, see, that's, that's our mindset many times. That's why you come to Island Church to get taught. Don't get mad. Amen. That's why you come to get taught. That's what most people think. God's he's just in control of everything. He's not in control of everything. If he was in control of everything, we'd be in heaven. But there's a system in this world that's not of God. There's an adversary on this world that's not of God. Your mind, your flesh, they're not of God. You've got to understand God is only in control of what we give him control over. Amen. So, so he was, this particular minister was teaching on, God will give you tribulation. God will give you tribulation. He'll, he'll send cancer into your life. Uh, he'll do it to humble you. He'll do it to give you a, a greater sense of piety in your life. He'll do it so, so, he'll, so, so you'll draw closer to him. Well, would you draw closer to a God that gave you cancer? That took a child from you? That caused bankruptcy, a divorce? Would you, yeah, yeah, I just, I just want to be near that God. Now, you wouldn't want to be anywhere near him, Amen. You'd turn and run from somebody like that. So as he began to do that, I began to think about scriptures in the word of God. And I began, the Lord began to think, well, Lord, there's got to be something in the word that refutes that. And the Lord said, well, just preach the same scriptures he's preaching on, but preach it the right way. Amen. Amen. You need the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is what gives us revelation. Listen, Bible, the uh, Bible seminaries don't give revelation. They teach uh, basically the doctrine of their denomination the way they, quote, interpret it. But the Bible is not given for private interpretation. If the Word says it, that's the reality of it. Don't, listen, don't ever think that you need somebody to interpret the Word for you. We don't interpret the Word. We teach and we preach what the Word says. We don't try to bend it. We don't try to add to it. If this is what it says, then this is what it says. If Jesus said, you must be born again, then you do not get to heaven by good works. Are you with me? So we must understand that, that, that tribulation, number one, is not of God. Trials, tribulations, temptations, trouble in your life, all of this kind of stuff that happens. And people have a hard time wrapping their mind around that because the American Christian has been so indoctrinated with false teaching about God that they think that everything that happens in life, somehow, someway, God must have some control over that or it wouldn't have happened. And they wrap it all up in the, quote, sovereignty of God. Now, let me help you just a minute. Much of what's taught on when it comes to the sovereignty of God, the omnipotence of God, the omniscience of God, most of what is taught in Bible seminaries does not come from the Bible. It comes from Greek mythology. Now, I don't have time to unteach a lot of that, but you just got to take it for granted that's what I'm saying. 
Listen, we know God by his word and his... He's not Apollos. He's not Hercules. He's not Zeus. He's none of that. He's greater than that. He's bigger than that. But God is a God of his word. And he does not step outside the perimeters of his word to defend himself, to prove his sovereignty, or to do anything like that. And the sovereignty of God is wrapped up in his word. People say things like, well, you never know what God will do. God works in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. That's not in the Bible. Paul said, he hath made known unto us the mystery of his will. Did you know what Paul was telling us? We know what he'll do. We know exactly what he'll do. He'll save the sinner. He'll heal the sick body. He'll deliver the oppressed. He'll bless you financially. He'll bring you to heaven if you'll believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. He tells us exactly what he will do and how he will do it. The Bible calls it the mystery that's been revealed unto us that was hidden from the ages. Are you with me? I know sometimes we've got to kill some sacred cows, but you know, killing cows gets us T-bone steak. Find Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Verse 1, first word is what? Therefore. Well, we know if the word therefore is there, then we've got to back up and see what the word therefore is there for. So back up into chapter 4, let's look just a moment at Abraham. Speaking of the faith of Abraham, Paul writes to us and says this. Verse 18, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Now remember, Abraham did not have the written word. He only had the spoken word. So therefore, God gave him a promise that his seed would be as innumerable as the stars of the heaven and of the sand of the sea. Are you with me? Genesis chapter 12. Therefore, Abraham heard that word and acted upon it. Now, when he did that, he began a process that took approximately 25 years from the time God spoke that word to him till the time Isaac was born. That was a 25-year process. So this kind of dissects it. First of all, he said, who against hope believed in hope. Actually, we could say it like this. When human hope failed him, he found spiritual hope that sustained him. Now, human hope is always mixed with an element of doubt and unbelief. We could say, you know, I, I watched the weather forecast. It gave us a 60% chance of rain. But maybe you've planned a picnic for today. So you're saying, well, I hope it don't rain. But you've already heard that it's going to. Can you hear an element of doubt in that? You say, well, you know, I hope the price of gas doesn't go up. Well, can you hear an element of doubt in that? Uh, you know, I, I, I hope this happens. Or I hope There's always an element of doubt in human hope. But the word hope spiritually or the God kind of hope is the word elpis, which means the ability to anticipate that which associates with pleasure. So God, the God kind of hope is your anticipation of the manifestation of what God has said to you. So you're expectant. You're expecting. Every day when you get up and go to your mailbox, you expect that check's coming in the mail. And if it, when it doesn't come, you think, praise God, it'll come tomorrow. 
Every day you get up in the morning, you expect your body to be healed. Every day you get up, you expect deliverance to be in your life. Every day you expect, see, that's what expectancy does. Every day, you never let go of that divine expectancy. And if you're feeding it with the word of God, it will never, ever wane in your life. But if you do not feed it with the word of God, then time will erode it. And you will cross the line back into human hope, thinking, well, I hope I'm healed. I hope God blesses me. See, that's human hope. No, that's not the way it works. Abraham hoped against hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And be not weak in faith. Everybody say weak in faith. Be not weak in faith. He considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Now, it says he was not weak in faith, which means he was strong in faith. And if you're going to be strong in faith, there are some things you're going to have to consider not. And what you have to consider not is your own inability to make happen what God says belongs to you. Now, now we're all adults here. Let's just, we'll stay in church, but let's all be adults. In this 25-year process, you say, well, well, Abraham, he never had an opportunity to be discouraged. Every month, he had an opportunity to be discouraged. As long as Sarah could conceive or there was a possibility of her conception, then every month there would be a time in which Sarah would walk out of her tent and shake her head no at Abraham. Not this month. Which went on until her womb died. That means it was no longer possible to have children. Not only her, but his ability to reproduce also died. They'd gotten too old, according to time. But he still expected. Why? He was strong in faith because he did not consider his own inability to produce what God had said. Let me try that again. He did not consider... See, that's what most people do. That's where they get into it. Well, I'll tell you, if I could just answer my own prayer. Now, you may laugh, but it's amazing how many times we do that and give God the glory. Got quiet in here real quick, didn't it? No, no. What we do is we wait on the Lord. Okay, Lord, unless, unless you do it, then it doesn't get done. And God just has a way of letting you get to the place where you know you cannot do it. And if it gets done, it will be God. That's where you find out how strong your faith is. Amen. Now notice in verse 20. Uh, verse 20. It says, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. He staggered not at the promise of God, but was strong in faith. Why was he strong in faith? Because he continued to give glory to God. People say, what does that mean? I don't know. What does it mean to you? See, that's why we're going to study this. This is is the unknown element of faith. He was strong in faith. Why was he strong in faith? Because he continued to give glory to God. Strong faith continues To give glory to God. Now, are you ready? Here we go. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. You are in a process 
of persuasion. Pastor, I, I, I know I'm healed, but my body's telling me I'm still sick. Why is that happening? Because you are in a process of persuasion and being fully persuaded what he had promised, which means as long as you stick with the promise, you embrace the promise, you meditate on the promise, you speak the promise, you live the promise, you are in the persuasion process. That promise is persuading you every minute, every hour, every day, every week, every month to eventually you come to the point in which you are what? Fully persuaded. And at the point you are fully persuaded, God performs. So the devil tries to do everything he can do to get you off of or out of the persuasion process. Don't read the Bible today. Don't pray today. Don't you dare go down to that island, church. Don't you dare give in that offering. Don't you dare cooperate with that praise and worship. Don't you dare give glory to God. Don't you know you're hurting? Don't you know there's nothing's gonna happen? Don't you know that's all a bunch of foolishness? And if you listen to that, you will suppress your faith and your faith will die. You'll stagger. And what happens to people that stagger? They fall. Are you with me? How many want a miracle from God? I'll tell you, I'll show you right here in the Word. We, hadn't persu- we, had, we, have not, we have not fully embraced this part of it. And being fully persuaded, what he had promised, he was able to perform. So here's your promise. It persuades you, and God performs. Stay out of this area. This is God's business. This is none of your business. This is God's business. The performance Part of it is what God does. It's none of your business. Stay away from it. Let God be God. Let God be God. Let him do it the way he wants to do it. Let him do it his way, the divine way, the God way. You live in the promise so that you might be persuaded. Are you with me? Being fully persuaded that he, what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Therefore, it was imputed unto him for righteousness. That was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus, our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this right here removes completely anything to do with God hurting you or harming you in any way. Do you see that? Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. A God you have peace with will not harm you. Let me say that again. A God you have peace with will not harm you. He will not give you cancer. He will not destroy a child. He will not do this or that. He will not harm you. You say, why? I have peace with him through our Lord Jesus Christ. This secures your relationship. You cannot have a relationship with somebody that beats on you. Mm-mm-mm. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by, also, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace. Everybody say grace. Grace is the ability of God to perform. And God says we have what? Access into this grace. Everybody look at me. Look at me. 
You cannot go through the process of faith without the grace of God. God gives us grace to walk in faith. You say, how do I know if I'm walking in faith and there's no grace? You don't walk long. Time shuts you down. Well, it didn't happen by Thursday, so it must not be God. Discouragement comes easy. You don't stand. You violate your confession. You start talking the problem. I mean, there's all kinds of ways you know you don't have the grace to do what you're doing. Grace is a powerful force. I remember when I traveled for years. Man, I tell you, I'd wear people out right and left. People say, I'd like to travel with you for a couple of weeks. So I'd take them with me. And after that, it'd take them a month to recover. That's because they didn't have the grace. Many times, Leah wouldn't travel with me. She didn't have the grace I had. I could be in an airport in Europe one week and be in an airport in Asia the next. And be in an airport in Minnesota the next and an airport in Nicaragua the next. I mean, I could just go, 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 go. And then right about the time God was really pressing us to start Island Church, I couldn't go no more. I'd come home, I'd just be wore out. I thought there was something physically wrong with me. I begin to check my body, check myself. I begin to think, what is wrong with me? Am I sick? Is something wrong? And the Lord spoke to me and said, the grace that was on you to travel around the world has now lifted. You better go and enter into the next grace and do what I'm telling you to do. Or if not, you will destroy yourself. So I entered into the grace to Pastor Island Church. So we must understand that there is a grace. Everybody say a grace. You say, what is that grace? Notice specific grace. This grace talked about Abraham being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. So God says, you must enter in to the grace to go through what you're going through. If you do not enter into the grace to go through what you're going through, you won't go through it. You will get bogged down. You will get stuck. Your wheels will spin. But if you will enter into the grace that God gives us to go through stuff, amen? I'm reminded of, of, of Ted Nello when, when, when Cody had that accident years ago and how the grace came upon them. I had a phone call. I was walking out my door with my suitcase. I was walking out the door. Actually, I'd been praying in the Holy Ghost for about an hour and a half, getting ready for a meeting, had my Bible, had my suitcase, had all my clothes, was walking out the door. The phone rang. It was, uh, it was Misty May. We all know Miss Misty that works in the sound booth. She called me up. She said, uh, Brother Rusty, we, re- we need to pray. Uh, 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 this has happened. Begin to explain all the accidents that had happened and everything. And I just took a breath. I went, well, I took a breath. I let it out, and I felt no alarm. I said, they'll be all right. See y'all later. Hung up the phone. I didn't rush down to the hospital. Their pastor did. But we were friends. I didn't rush down to the hospital. I didn't panic. I knew by my own spirit that they had a grace upon them to go through what they were going through. He said, well, how do you know? Cody's still here. It's pretty easy to figure it out. So here's the question. Are you getting bogged down? Are you fighting with what you're going through? Are you having difficulties with your mind? If you are, here's the answer. Here's the situation. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand last week, amen, two weeks ago, stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now, if you are standing, that's good. But remember what it said about Abraham. Abraham. 
He was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And then it says here that we stand and rejoice in expectancy of the glory of God. The glory of God is it manifest. The pain's gone. The symptoms are gone. The money comes in. The habit's broken. Are you with me? Whatever it is, that's the glory of God right there. That which is manifested. The power is unseen. It's working. It's working. The word. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, for it is the power. There's power in the word. Power in the word. But it's unseen. And it's working in the unseen realm. But when it makes its way by faith into the seen realm, it becomes the glory of God. That which is seen, that which is tangible, that which is experienced. Are you with me? Now, the next verse begins the process. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation. Now, that's why most people never make it right there. Now, see, that preacher that was preaching, what he was preaching was, see, God gives you tribulation. Well, that scripture does not say that at all. Just because the word tribulation is in a scripture doesn't mean God gives it to us. The Bible says, number one, not only so, but we glory in tribulation. Abraham was what? Strong in faith, giving, 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 giving glory to God. So he gave something to God. What did he give? He gave God his, not God's, he gave God's his glory so he could get God's glory. Now think about church in general. Not Island Church. But if you were, had the ability to visit all the churches on Galveston Island this morning, the majority of them would be as quiet as a mortuary. They would get up and sing 100-year-old songs, preach 100-year-old sermons. Never an amen, never a shout, never a praise God. All of that has been what? Suppressed. Don't you shout. Don't you dance. Don't you say amen. Don't you lift your hands. Actually, what's being said is this. Don't you glory. For the most part, glory has left the church. Not the glory of God. The glory of man has left the church. And because the glory of man has left the church, the glory of God has left the church. But if you can get the glory of man back into the church, you can get the glory of God back into the church. Are you with me? Now, real quick, how's my time? I've got a couple of minutes. I can go over if I need to. Is this good? Anybody enjoying it? Go real quick, since you're in Romans, Romans 6. Romans 6, verse 19, just one scripture. We'll run back here real quick. This may take us a couple of weeks to get through. Verse 19 of Romans chapter 6, Paul speaking to us says, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity or the weakness of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. Let me, let me read it in the Amplified. 
I am speaking in familiar human terms because of your natural limitations. For as you yielded your bodily members and facilities as servants to impurity and ever-increasing lawlessness, so now yield your bodily members and faculties once and for all as servants to righteousness, right being and doing, which leads to sanctification. Now, what is he saying? He is saying here, when you were a sinner, you had no problem yielding yourself to the iniquity on the inside of you. What is iniquity? Remember our redemption class. Iniquity is the motivation to sin. So out of you comes this motivation and you yield to it. You drink the alcohol, you do the drugs, uh, you get into the immorality. You willingly do it. You do it how? You can't do it by thinking about it. Amen. No, you do it by doing it. So you yield. Actually, a better way to say it is like this. You give your glory to sin. That's what you do. You give your glory to to your sin nature, and it does what? It manifests. How many ever smoked? Anybody ever smoked? Now, do you remember the first cigarette you ever smoked? I want you to think, just for a moment, the first cigarette you ever, not the four-pack-a-day habit you got delivered from, but the first cigarette you ever smoked. You, you, you stuck it in your mouth, you lit it up, you took a big, now what did your body do when you did that? What did your physical body do? It, it coughed, it choked, it hacked, it barked, it did everything it could do. And you know what it was saying? Please don't put that in me again. Well, why'd you end up a four-pack-a-day smoker then? Because iniquity was stronger than your common sense. How many remember your first drink of alcohol? Wasn't that sweet? Didn't that pearl beer taste just wonderful, just going down your throat? Wasn't that the one most, the flavor and the taste of it? Wasn't it just wonderful? It was horrible. Alcohol tastes terrible. You see the people in the Western movies gulping down the wind. You do that two or three times. Blah. Your physical body has more common sense. That's why you puke after you drink it. Your body's saying, don't pour that into me. And you give your glory to the iniquity and the sin nature manifest. But now you're born again. And iniquity is gone. And what's on the inside? Righteousness. And Paul is saying, as you used to yield yourself to iniquity, to that dimension, to that level, you're going to have to now yield yourself to the righteousness that's on the inside of you. Because if yielding to iniquity produces sin nature, yielding to righteousness produces the divine nature. And the devil doesn't want the divine nature, so he's gone throughout uh, all these uh, millenniums of Christianity, and he suppressed the church and says, don't praise, don't worship, don't shout, don't run, don't dance, don't 
glorify God. Just sit there. Suppress yourself. Back to verse 5. Excuse me, back to chapter 5. And I'll close with this. My time's up. Not only so, but we, we, we glory in tribulations. How can you get God puts tribulation on you out of that? You can't. It says what? We glory in tribulations. So, here's proof of your faith. You really a faith person? Really got faith working on the inside of you? You believed in your heart? Confessed with your mouth? You confess in the word? You've acted on it? You're standing? Okay. Where's your glory? I get phone calls all the time. Pastor, I'm just going through. And they just, they spend 20 minutes telling me about their problem. And I'm thinking, one of these days, some God, somebody's going to call me up. I'm, I'm believing God. It's going to happen. They're going to call me up and say, Pastor, you know, I've just spent three hours dancing in the Holy Ghost. And so I just call, thought I'd call you up and tell you, praise God, I'm healed. Praise God, I'm delivered. Praise God, the money's coming. I tell you, it's coming. Hallelujah. I'm, you know, someday somebody's going to call me and say that. Someday somebody is going to do what? In the midst of what they're... Listen, it's easy to shout after the walls fall. It's easy to run around the church after the check comes in the mail. It's easy to lift up your hands and shout when the pain's gone. That's not faith. That's praise. Faith is when you run around the church when you hurt so bad you can't hardly run. Faith is when you worship and glorify and magnify God and it looks like nothing's going to happen. And nothing has happened. Faith is when you say, I don't care what the circumstances say. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to glorify him. I'm going to magnify Abraham was what? Strong in faith, giving glory to God. What do you think he was doing? Just sitting there going, what are you doing, Abraham? I'm giving glory to God. Obviously, by the Holy Ghost, Paul had a revelation of Abraham in the midst of what? Five years, 10 years, 15 years. After 15 years, made a big mistake, ended up with Ishmael. No reason to glory now. Now we got trouble. No, 15 years, 20 years, 25 years. Here's Isaac. Now it's time to shout. No, I ain't shouting. Why not? I've been shouting 25 years. I've been what? Glorifying God. Now see, every man and every woman has glory. You say, what is glory? That which is on the inside, which finds its way to the outside. You go to the football game, you release your Dallas Cowboy glory. And it's amazing. People will go and lose their mind at a football game, a basketball game, a baseball game. And do what? Cheer and give their glory to a sports team. Or give their glory to a big fish they catch. Or a big deer they shoot. Or to a, to a shoe sale at the mall. That's where the women give their glory. Amen. But then they come to church and it's what? And, you know, Frank's up there trying to get people to praise God. And people are like,
Amen? And then you wonder, why am I not on fire? Why am I not thrilled with the things of God? Why is it so hard for me to read my Bible? After I read one chapter, Pastor, I fall asleep. If I try to pray for five minutes, I, my mind wanders. and I, No wonder you're giving your glory to everything else but God. When you begin to do what? Glory in the midst of your tribulation. Then you're beginning to activate the grace you need to go through what you're going through. But it's not until you begin to glory in the midst of what you're going through. Said so people will think I'm a fool. Exactly. People will, but God won't. Amen. So that's what the devil wants. He wants you to just sit there. Do everything by how you feel. I don't feel like it. Because that's what most people look for is feelings. Feelings will let you down. Feelings will lie to you. Feelings will deceive you. When God says, look, you're going through something, you better get on the glory train, buddy. You better learn to get your hands up in the air and get your mouth open and get the high praises of God in your mouth. You better learn to get some dancing in your feet. You better learn to get some shouting in you. You better learn and just glory in the answer and begin to worship and begin to praise and begin to magnify God and begin to act like God is who he says he is. Act like he's going to do what he said he's going to do and begin to glory in the midst of your tribulation. Now let me in. Let, let me in. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Why are you so anxious? Why are you so, why are you so uptight? Why are your emotions just hanging out? Why, why? Because you have no patience. Patience is cheerful endurance with consistency. And the Bible says, glorying in tribulation does not produce patience. Patience is a fruit of the recreated spirit, part of the fruit of the spirit. So there's patience in you, but it doesn't go to work until you glory. When you start shouting, when you start praising God, when you start magnifying him, you do it, at your, you do it in church, you do it at your house, you do it everywhere you go. You're shouting and praise, glory to God. I praise you, Lord. I magnify your name. I exalt you, Lord. You've got to dance. You start shouting and jumping and praising and magnifying God. And you let your physical body express what's in your human spirit. Because it does whether or not you know it or not, your physical body expresses what's in your human spirit. If defeat, if doubt, if unbelief is in your human spirit, you will express it. But if victory, if the answer, if faith, if the joy of the Lord, which is your what? Strength, that's why it says in James, count it all what? Joy when you fall into diverse temptations. If that's on the inside of you, when you let that out, here comes patience. She comes in and she clocks in on the time clock. Now you've got what? Cheerful endurance. Oh, we heard what happened. Ain't no big deal. 
We heard what the doctor said. Ain't no big deal. We heard what the banker said. We heard you might lose that. Ain't no big deal. I'm worshiping God. I'm praising God. I'm glorying in the God of my salvation. I'm praising him for his goodness. I'm thanking him for all he does. I'm thanking him for who he is. I'm giving him a shout today. I'm going to give him a dance today. I'm going to run around this place three or four times today. I'm going to glorify, magnify God. They'll look at you and think, you're crazy. You lost your mind, man. I mean, I'm not talking about the I'm talking about Christians, Will. You ought to be moping. You ought to be dragging. You ought to be down in the dumps. You ought to be all, don't you know what you're going through? But if you have gloried in the God of your salvation, then patience has been activated, which is cheerful endurance. With what? Consistency. Now, my second closing. There's people ought to be here this morning. They love the Lord. They care about God. They come to Island Church. They're members. They should be here this morning. But they won't be because they are going through something. They weren't here last week. They won't be here next week. And when you see them on the street, you'll say, hey, man, we hadn't seen you in church in a few weeks. Say, yeah, you know, uh, we're, just, we're kind of going through something. Come on. Have you ever run into somebody? We're kind of, you know, we're going through some things, you know, some, going through some stuff. And which most of the time our response is, oh, okay, we understand. Yeah, yeah, praise God. I'll keep you in prayer. When in reality, you ought to grab him by the shoulder and shake him with all your might and say, stupid, stupid, stupid. You're going through something and staying out of the very place that's going to help you go through it. That's like saying, I'm too hungry to go to the grocery store. I'm too sick to go to the doctor. Come on. Come on, I'm too ugly to go to the beauty salon. <laughs> Amen. That's life. That's a, oh, we're, go, we're, we're going through something. So you, so you had not been coming to church? No, no, no. We're, we're, we're going through some things in our family. See, we're going through. That is stupid. I mean, if you've got to just come in your pink robe and your fuzzy slippers and sit on the back row and cry, Amen. it's better than staying home when you're going through something. Get in the presence of God. Get in the glory of God and get down into your own spirit and find that place of faith and grab a hold of it. And in a moment of time, your tears can be turned into rejoicing. And you can activate Grace and patience will rise up with cheerful endurance and consistency. I'm going to tell you, you ain't going to make it without it. You'll end up defeated. Critical that anybody ever taught anything on. Well, I went down there, there's a bunch of crazy people talking about praising God, running around shouting when you don't feel like it. That's just ridiculous, you know. I'm they don't know what I'm going through. I don't have any love down there. I've heard it all. They don't know. They're hard people. Well, I love you enough to tell you the truth. And do everything I can do to get you out of what you're going through. And until you get some glory in your life. And start reaching down into the recesses of your soul. And finding your faith based on that word. And saying, I know in whom I believe. And I am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've delivered 
So I'm going to worship. I'm going to glory. I'm going to magnify. I'm going to exalt his name. I guarantee you when you do that, you will push the accelerator of what you're going through. And it won't be long till the doctor will say, the banker will say, the lawyer will say, and everyone else will say, look what the Lord has done. Hallelujah. Lift your hands up and glorify him. Father, we glorify your name this morning. Exalt you. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you that we can glory in tribulation. Thank you that we can worship and praise and magnify and express ourselves and give our glory to you, Lord. And Father, today we thank you that in so doing, faith causes us to be fully persuaded. Grace is supplied for us to go through what we're going through. And Father, we thank you that in the midst of it, you show up and perform that which we are fully persuaded of. We thank you for it, Father. We believe it. We accept it. It's ours in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet. Father, as we leave this morning, we rejoice in who you are. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.